My keys, man. <laughs> Joshua chapter 8. God has told Joshua, get up. Sort of like, you know, we did. Why are you on your face before me, Joshua? And God is saying, this is not a time for prayer, Joshua, but it's a time for repentance, a physical turning away from sin, which is repentance. And God has revealed to Joshua that there's sin in the camp of Israel, and uh, it's not a time for you to be praying, Joshua, but it's a time for you to be acting upon what you know that I'm telling you. And God instructs Joshua, you've got to rid the camp of Israel of sin. And then God gives Joshua, or, or else, or else I, God, will not be with Israel. God will not coexist with sin in Israel and he won't coexist with sin in our lives. Joshua, he has the entire nation of Israel pass before him, starting with the tribes on down to each and every family. And the family of Achan is singled out to be the culprit, to be the one of sin. There's transgression in the family of Achan. And last week we talked about how Achan, he had to be sweating bullets <laughs> as the tribes begin to get eliminated and the tribe of Judah uh, is selected. He happens to be part of the tribe of Judah. Then the families come down and the list narrows down to Achan. And then Achan is told by Joshua, make confession, a complete confession Achan, and because Achan makes complete confession, there's no punishment for his sin. No, but there was. <laughs> Achan and his entire family are stoned to death because of his sin. And then they're burned with fire. Now, I honestly believe Achan by his confession, he has God's forgiveness. But there's still the matter of punishment. There is a sowing and reaping process that goes before God. And Achan, uh, his sin must be atoned for. Now, Christ is our atonement. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. He took all of our sins upon himself, and he paid the price. But remember Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Judas made confession. He declared to the high priest as he threw the 30 pieces of silver on the temple floor, I have betrayed innocent blood. But Judas's confession was to men, not God. Judas felt bad about his sin. He felt so guilty that he went out and hung himself. He committed suicide. Had Judas confessed, was there forgiveness? Yes. 
but there was no repentance by Judas. And thus, he did not receive forgiveness. We must be careful. And I think there's uh, sometimes error in the evangelical Christians that we receive confession as repentance. And there's a difference. Repentance is a physical turning away from sin. We have an example of this in Luke chapter 19. You may want to turn to Luke 19. And it's Zacchaeus the tax collector. Zacchaeus had true repentance. So Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. And I will read them to you. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, uh, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. Side note, I was watching David Jeremiah this morning. And he made a point to say the people at Jesus' day, the average height was five foot one. And I thought, wow, I thought they were about five foot six. But he says five foot one was the average height. But anyway, Zacchaeus must have been really short. But anyway. <laughs> so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus sought, wanted repentance. And he says, look, Lord, I will give one half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by falsehood, I will restore it four times over. First thing Zacchaeus does, he gives away half his wealth. But now he probably will give away a large portion of what is remaining because he's going to restore fourfold to anybody that makes a claim against him. But what was the exchange? Zacchaeus received eternal life, salvation. For Jesus himself declared to, to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to you. And when Jesus says you have salvation, you have it. <laughs> it's a done deal for Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, you're now a son of Abraham, a son of faith. And Zacchaeus, he made confession, but he turned from his sin with restoration. 
restoration to those he had cheated. When I see a new convert, that's one of the things I look for. Are they making restoration? Are they going to people and saying, hey, I cheated you, I lied to you, I stole from you? Or do they just confess their sin with no restoration? Restoration means salvation. And only Jesus can forgive sins. And he's declared that Zacchaeus is now a son of Abraham or a son of faith. Now, when Joshua calls Achan, when he says, my son, I believe that Achan is forgiven of his sin. I believe he's forgiven, but his forgiveness does not remove the penalty that he must pay. But we have the fierceness of God and his anger that turns away from Israel because of Achan's confession and forgiveness. But this whole ordeal of Achan brings fear upon Israel, including Joshua. So let's read Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 through 29. Long reading, so i got to take a drink of water. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its kings as you did to Jericho and its kings. Only its spoil, its cattle, you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us as at the first that we shall flee before them, for they will come out after us till we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say, they are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose early uh, in the morning and mustered the people and went up, and he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. And all the people of war who were with with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. 
So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it that the men of the city hurried and rose up early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people, at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all of Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand towards Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hands towards the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as, <clears throat> as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven, so they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. Now when Joshua and all of Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others who came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end to the slaying of the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them, and when they all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of the city Israel took his booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree and cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raise over it a heap, great heap of stones that remain to this day. Quite the story of a battle. The very first thing we read of is that Joshua do not be afraid. That seems to be a repeat to Joshua. Joshua was a military man. I don't think Joshua is necessarily afraid for himself, but he's afraid for the people. 
And God tells him, don't be afraid, Joshua. Take all the men of war and go up to Ai, for I've given the city into your hand. And this time at Ai, all the spoils are going to be given, the booty are going to be, is going to be given to the people. At Jericho, it was a different story. Jericho was the first spoils of the promised land. And God says, those spoils belong to me because they're the first fruits of entering the land. There is a principle here of giving established by God. Achan, he's guilty of touching the first fruits upon entering the promised land. And that was a very grievous sin before God there at Jericho. Achan could have had spoils if he had waited for Ai. If he would have been a little patient, a little obedient, the spoils were there. Now consider, Achan has stole this snazzy Babylonian garment. He's stolen silver and gold, but he had to hide it. He hid it in the tent, his own tent, and he buried it. How can you enjoy something if you have to hide it? <laughs> Where is Achan going to wear that snazzy Babylonian garment? <laughs> you know, he's got this garment. Obviously, it appealed to him, and he took it. Now, what's he going to do with it? Anyway, God does not hold back from blessing us, his people. That is a principle of God, but we are to give him the first fruits of our labor. And Achan wasn't willing to do that. Achan coveted those garments and those silver and gold, and it cost him his life. Then God tells Joshua how to take this city of Ai. He says, lay an ambush. We just read it. Fake a retreat, Joshua, and surround the entire army of Ai. And Joshua obeys. And Joshua goes from being face down before God, before Jesus on the ground, to completely destroying the 12,000 people of Ai. And it's interesting how it came about. In verse 18, Joshua was instructed by God, stretch out your spear in your hand and I will give Ai to you. Drop down to verse 26. Joshua still has the spear in hand and he's got it raised above his head. Perhaps Joshua is afraid to lower the spear for the battle is going in favor of Israel, and he's got that spear held above his head. Joshua was, was told, stretch out the spear, and he does, and he obeys. And he obeys with a passion. There was another battle in Joshua's life, in his early years, where he learned to be obedient. Moses had commanded Joshua, uh, go choose some men of war. 
and go fight Amalek. In Exodus 17, uh, we, we read the little story. Verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephaim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called its name, The Lord is My Banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Joshua is not on the hill. He's down in the valley fighting this battle with Amalek. And Moses is on top of the hill with his rod in hand raised above his head. Rod above Moses' head, Israel prevails. Drop the rod, Amalek prevails. And Moses is told, write this down. This is going to be a long battle. Aaron and Hur see what's happening. They position themselves next to Moses and they hold up his hands. But Joshua was the one down in the valley fighting. And he's doing battle with Amalek. And his army is defeating Amalek with the edge of the sword. And Moses, you have to write this down because I want Joshua to realize where the battle was won. So the events of Amalek's destruction, they're there with Joshua. And he's carried this memory for years, probably about 40 years. And now it's Joshua that's holding up his hands. But it's not Moses' rod. It's his own spear. And he holds up the spear. And when he holds it up, Israel prevails. Because of the past battle, because Joshua has seen God fight the battle for him, he is passionate about holding up the spear. He's energetic. He doesn't dare let that spear drop down, for he has seen, he has witnessed what will happen if his hands are lowered. And Joshua obeys God with passion. And passion, when we obey God with passion, that brings about what we all desire, intimacy with God. God sees the motive of our heart. He sees our heart, and he wants us to serve him passionately. 
When we are passionate in our obedience to God, it develops intimacy with God. Obeying God has become very critical to Joshua in his life. It's a passion with him. Obey God to the details. Where is our passion? Where's your passion? Moses had his rod. Joshua has his spear. Where is our heart? Where is our passion? Do we reluctantly obey God or do we do it with vim and vinegar? <laughs> Hadn't heard that one, have you? <laughs> now, I have a few cows and I use them as examples all the time. But I have learned a cow is a big animal and he can be dangerous or she can be dangerous. And I have a friend that is doing his best to school me in how to take care of cows. And when he comes over to help me, he always carries a rod in his hand, and that rod's about four to five feet long and about inch and a half to two inches in diameter. And when you're working with cows, trying to get them to do what you want them to do, to separate or whatever, and they're acting all frisky and everything, they can be very dangerous. They will buck and carry on and so forth. And I watch my friend strike a cow right across the bridge of the nose with a stick, and he hit it. He didn't just tap. He hit that cow. And uh, I'm out there, and I got a cow coming up on me, and I, I reach over and tap it on the nose, and he laughs at me. He said, you've got to hit that cow, Don. You're not to play with it. You've got to let the cow know who's in control. Otherwise, that cow can trample you and injure you. And what appeared to be harmful to the cow can be life-saving to the cattleman. So my next swing at the cow wasn't a tap. I let him have it. Whap! Right and the cow just simply walked away, not hurt or anything. He just knew, okay, he's serious, and he walks away. And so today, whenever I go into the fenced area with my cows, I carry a rod. Moses had a rod. Joshua has a spear. Joshua has learned from his past ordeal with Moses and his defeating of Ai by holding the spear up to be passionate about obeying God. Joshua, he's not concerned how he looks in this battle. Joshua has God's blessings and he's out there on the battlefield and he is exuberant about holding that spear up. We are a congregation of engineers and ex-military people. Look around you. That's what you see. 
and I'm not going to mention anyone by name, but talking to Colonel Don, he described war as being very brutal and ugly. And he said, and when you fight a war, you got to fight to win. And that requires being all in. You got to be all in to defeat the enemy. AI has been a vivid proof to Joshua. Fight all battles with passion. Fight to win. So Joshua in verse 28 burns the city of Ai and he turns it into a heap of rubble. Joshua also hangs the king of Ai. But come evening he takes down the corpse and he throws it at the entrance to the city and they pile a great heap of stones over the king. And thus Ai is defeated by a passionate Joshua. And but then in verses 30 through 35, well, we won't read them, but Joshua builds an altar to the Lord. And Joshua, there at this altar, he reads the law of Moses to all the people, including the newcomers into Israel, people like Rahab, the harlot, and God tells Joshua, write the law on the stone altar. And we see where Joshua reads the law, the entire law, blessings and cursings to everyone in the camp of Israel. And this probably took several hours for him to do. But God's word is proclaimed throughout all of Israel. Claimed to proclaim to everyone, foreigner and locals. Anyone that wanted to be part of Israel was required to hear God's word. Be a citizen of Israel, be under God's law. And it was that simple. No exceptions. So what do we take from that? AI, the little village that they thought they could take with 3,000 men, and they're soundly defeated. But when Joshua got obedient to God, held that spear up, and wouldn't dare let it drop down, victory was given to Israel. When Joshua became passionate, he enjoyed victory. What has God called you to? I don't know. Only you know. That's between you and God. But whatever he has called you to, be passionate about it because it's a privilege. It's a blessing. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand and close in prayer. Father God, I don't want to go through the motions and we, your people, don't want to go through the motions of serving you. We want to be into it, Lord. We want to find our meaning, our cause, our pleasure in being obedient to you. Let us serve you with a grateful heart, a joyous heart, Lord. And let us be passionate about you, our Lord and Savior. 
And, Lord, you promise that if we're passionate, you will be intimate with us. You will come and have good fellowship with us. And, Lord, that's really what we desire. We desire to have that face-to-face friendship with you, our Lord and our God. So give us a heart like Joshua that was passionate to be obedient. We want to do that also, Lord. We want to look upon the things you've given us to do as an opportunity, not as drudgery. So help our help our hearts, Lord. Purify our hearts before you and let us serve you with a pure and clean heart. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.